the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. Scott is back. His voice is golden. I mean, it's always golden, but it's doing a better, a lot better than it was last week. Scott, this past weekend, we had a Japanese super lightweight title fight. There's a lot of anticipation for this. I'm not going to say it didn't live up to the hype, but it was a safe fight for Inoue and Hosokawa. Yeah, when we saw that bout on paper, Koki Inoue versus Valentin Hosokawa, you're expecting Hosokawa to be super aggressive, you're expecting Inoue to be caught, brought into the fight, and you kind of expect fireworks. Instead, it, it was more of a compelling yet actionless fight, with Inoue being far too talented for Hosokawa and Hosokawa's crude attacks not having a great deal of effectiveness against Inoue's uh, footwork and sharp counter punching. Yeah, Inoue looked good with his his defense, used the jab very well. Obviously, Hosokawa a lot shorter than him, so he had Inoue had more length. But I probably would have liked to see him turn it up, turn up the heat just a little bit more and, and and try to force Hosokawa out of there, especially since Hosokawa was the champ. Yeah, he kind of hoped that. He kind of hoped that the guys were going to make the most of a really good occasion. Sellout crowd at the Corican Hall. It's on TV on G Plus. You understand why you play it safe. Let's make sure we get the win, get the title, and go from there. But it it did feel a bit underwhelming. Yeah, and maybe that's just respect, though, because Hosokawa has power. So it was respect of that right hand. It could also just been the fact that you seemed to actually like the guy at the way, and they were just laughing at each other. They were joking around. They were very, very friendly. It could just be natural mutual respect for each other. That, yeah, that was one of the loosest weigh-ins I've ever seen. Like, dude, Koki could not keep a straight face. No, I have no idea why. Um, it's not like either one were telling jokes or anything. They were just both bursting out into fits of giggles. It was, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't look like they were getting ready for a, a fight at all. Uh, Koki, though, I mean, it's not like he's the most normal guy. I mean, the guy comes out in an anime robe so that's who he is yeah you kind of think of his uh cousin kind of look annoying think all serious he's in there to beat people up and then you look at cock and you think dude you you're like a big kid he's wearing a pink robe with anime characters on it his twitter is well worth following if you're an anime fan yes and i'm not gonna disparage him i'm not gonna make fun of him because he would kick my butt <laughs> um, on that card we got to see a couple of decent bouts a couple of knockouts and a good bout that I didn't really expect uh, between Saito and Ishiwaki yeah yeah, I, I was a big fan of Saito I thought he'd really impressed despite being one on one then Ishiwaki just puts in a performance for a lifetime how he managed to stand up to Saito's early blows and mystery and then to come back and oh, I thought I honestly thought Ishiwaki deserved the win. I thought the draw was very harsh on him. I I did too. Now Saito's 1-1-1, so a very interesting (laughs) record for him. The thing is, he was a fantastic amateur. He's really solid. I thought he actually deserved the win on his debut against, I believe, Shiwatsuki, who he dropped. So he's he's a bit of an enigma. He still has a lot of time. Both, Both of them have a lot of time. They're still relatively young, so it'll be interesting to see what comes of their careers. We saw Koki Tyson 
with the big knockout. Um, obviously, the middleweight class in Japan, it's not the the best in the world, but it's still fun. It's still going to produce fun fights uh, that we saw with Tyson. Yeah, it's not a deep division, but it's a strangely competitive and compelling division. There's five, six, maybe seven guys are all there. They're about the same level, and they can be put into matchups that could be explosive or could be tactical because there's a few tactical guys there. None of them are going to go into world level. I even struggle to say Murata is even going to be world class in reality given the division, but you know, guys like Koki Tyson, Kazuta Takisako, Riku Kunimoto, Shoma Fukumoto, uh, Yuki Nonaka, Charlie, Shinobu, Hosokawa, who could all be put into matchups together. They'd all be intriguing in some way. And we also saw uh, one more knockout with uh, Aoki uh, getting a knockout. Christiani, you know, Cristiano Aoki has a weird-looking record. He's like 14-7-2. He's a Japanese-Brazilian. He's really, really fun to watch. He's up against the Filipino, Anthony Marshall. The bout was probably the worst, the worst Aoki bout I've ever seen, but it ended in style with a, a fantastic left hook from hell. That's what's good about the knockout. It really neutralizes everything. You could be watching a fight and you're like, man, this is horrible. Knockout, I, it wasn't a bad fight. Yeah, fight rounds are nothing, but what you're going to remember is that left hook, the, the ball that closed it all. What happened beforehand? Oh, yeah. He's going to replay it. We're just going to replay the knockout. We had the opportunity uh, last weekend also to see some former uh, champions and former title um, challengers back in the ring. Um, Osawa, he had a victory in Osaka. Uh, And also, it's interesting because now, is he ranked number one by the WBA? Yeah, it's like, oh, what the... What are they thinking ranking? Nobody can explain how he's managed to get a number one ranking. The guy that beat him last year is ranked number 10 or number 11, Shunkubo, but it's one that you can't explain. You can't even explain the matchup he had at the weekend against Ahmad Lahizab of Indonesia. Complete farce. Um, is now in line for a world title fight. Will he win it? Probably not, but it's hard to actually begrudge Osawa an opportunity given that he's done a lot of really, really positive things in the community in Japan. What does the WBA do right, though? That's the real question. They, um, they... Yeah, we could be here all day just trying to think. What do they do right? Not a lot. They give chances to more people. Yes, there you go. The regular title. Oh, it, it creates more winners. Great, thanks. Just confuses <laughs> everyone. Uh, former champ back in the ring. Yagashi, we got to see him again. Uh, probably one of those fights that we really didn't need to see, but he, I guess he needed a little tune-up, and he uh, ended with the KO. Yeah, he knocked out a Thai guy, Sahafa Bunok. He looked about 12. He's apparently 23, 24, but he looked like a kid. Um, he was taken out in two rounds. Strangely, Bun Hop's now fought in Japan three times and been taken out in the second round in every one of those bouts. He's consistent. Yeah, guy. He is. He's very consistent. He travels. He gets beat. He fights at home. He wins. Um, 
as for Yanagashi, he spoke about potentially facing Shizuka or Kazuto Ayaka later in this year, and I don't think either of them will go well for him. Shizuka rematch would be great, but you're right. They're probably both a little too sharp for him right now, especially at his age. Yeah, it's it's hard to begrudge Yaigashi one more big belt, but then does he actually have a chance at winning a big belt? No. Will he potentially get very hurt? Yeah. Yeah, you almost rather just see him go off into the sunset. He's had a phenomenal career, three-division world champ, and you, you don't want to see him get m- much more punishment because he's already taken a lot. He's taken a lot, and he struggled with Hirofumi Mukai last year, and Mukai, talented enough, but he's not world-class, and he really had Yagashi in trouble. What one of the proper world-class guys is going to do to him would, is quite worrying. Also on that card, Andy Hiroka was supposed to fight. His bout was canceled. Why? At Cheria, the Thai he is supposed to be fighting was arrested at the airport, um, along with accusations of fleeing the police and being part of a drug smuggling ring. Oh, just a normal day. Another normal day for a Thai boxer. Drug smuggling. Late to his fight or couldn't make his fight and he was arrested. Sounds like a movie to me. He's joined a long line of Thais who've been arrested or been caught or suspicions of drugs, including like Manas Boomjun Mong, uh, Samson Tobomas, uh, Sirimon Kossing Wancha, and even the fantastic Syrian Saw Rungvisai actually failed the drug test. So. Uh, apparently Thai boxes aren't paid enough to uh, cover life, I guess, and therefore turn to drug smuggling or something. And he still uh, got some work, though. Didn't he have a, a little spar session? He had a couple of rounds with Kaiki Yuba, the son of former five-weight Japanese national champion, Tadashi Yuba. Um, Yuba's a good fighter. Yuba's a very promising prospect. It's just a shame that we didn't see Hiroaka in a live bout. A couple other of Ohashi hopefuls, uh, they came away with victories on the undercard of Yaigashi. Yeah, there's Ryo Matsumoto, the former world title challenger. He picked up a stoppage of a the rather limited Carlos Obisuru. Sean Nakazawa bounced back from a loss by beating G.R. Friando. And Takukuahara, who for me, is the pick among the three. Stopped Alplanto or Rahum Pasal. None of them were worth actually paying much attention to. They're all complete mismatches. The more interesting belt from the undercard was actually a loss for Sieti Okada, a former Japanese super flyweight champion, who was upset by Kanahiro Nakagawa. Yeah, I saw that. That was a shock. It was. Okada is getting on. He went through a bad run of form a few years ago, but he was expected to win here and instead just outmoved, outjabbed, outsped, outyouthed, I guess, by Nakagawa. Nakagawa's biggest career win by an absolute mile. So again, the weekend had a lot of different bouts, a good variety with former champs, title challengers, hopefuls, um, new, newly crowned champs, and a guy like Koki Inoue. 
And then earlier today, we had the opportunity to, um, or we didn't get to see it because it's going to be on tape delay this Saturday, but uh, Shuichiro Yoshino, he defended his lightweight title, Japanese lightweight title. Yeah, as a mandatory title defense against Asel Sumiyoshi, the reality is that while the champion carnival does provide some fantastic bouts, this always looked like a mismatch. Sumiyoshi, decent fighter. Yoshino, on the other hand, is a fantastic former amateur standout. 100 amateur fights. He's unbeaten as a pro. He lost the first round, then went on to progressively beat up Sumiyoshi, closing his right eye, and then knock him out in round seven. He can box. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and 135 seems like it's a comfortable weight for him. Where do you think Yoshino ends up when it's all said and done with his uh, great pedigree and skillful boxing? I think he probably fights for a world title. Whether or not he ends up winning one is hard to predict, but he definitely ends up fighting there or thereabouts. He's hunting an OPF title. Um, he mentioned Masayoshi Nakatani by name after his win today. I think that's probably about the both guys sort of need um, later this year. That would be great. Uh, I, Nakatani, I, it's weird because he's been so inactive as of late. I don't even remember when his last fight was, and nothing's really announced for him recently. Has, has there been any rumors for Nakatani? Um, there was a rumor that he'd be facing Edis Tatley in a world title eliminator, but that's sort of quieting down. He last fought in December against Hurricane Futa. He's had such a long Oriental title reign that it's, it's a little bit frustrating. And he's one of the fighters who's sort of wrapped up in the whole Ayaka boxing gym issues with um, Kazunori Ayaka being in the tax problems and the gym losing its biggest names in Ryo, you know, Ryo Miyazaki and Kazuto Ayaka. And it kind of feels like the Ayaka gym's just grinding itself into a bit of a standstill at the moment and Nakatani's the big loser from that. Yeah, maybe it's time for him to move gyms because one, he needs to fight more, but two, maybe move up just a little bit in terms of guys he fights. Yeah, either he moves gyms or Ayoko works more closely with uh, Shinsai, who they've worked with in the past and he gets put onto perhaps some of their shows like the um, upcoming one in May has Ria Kanishi fighting Fix Alvarado. He needs to really maybe be pushed more towards their bigger shows and given the exposure of them. Yeah, besides Nakatani, I'm really excited to see what Yoshino does. He he seems like one of the, the up and coming stars in Japanese boxing. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, Asian Boxing.info videos, news, notes. Features. It's all there at asianboxing.info. Scott does a great job uh, with the website. It's just a wealth of information, of knowledge, if you love Asian boxing. Well, this weekend, great fights. Uh, we've been waiting for this. Mori in his rematch, and then boxing genius Shigeoka. They're both fighting Sunday. There's something like five shows this Sunday in Japan. It's a hectic day. The two bouts you both mentioned have got both going to be in uh, Koshi at the City Sogo Gym and 
the one really genuinely annoying thing about this is I've not been able to get anything off a uh, TV Kunamata to show the belts, but that's a real shame. Musashi Mori is a rising star. He's facing Richard Pumapik for the second time, and he may have got lucky with the way the first bout ended with a technical decision after five rounds, but he's gone straight back in there with a dangerous guy like Pumapik looking to prove what he's made of, looking to go out there and make a statement, and he's still only like 19, 20. Fantastic prospect. Yeah, he's fantastic. And then, of course, uh, on the undercard, another fantastic champ uh, in Jinjiro Shigeoka. Yeah, Jinjiro Shigeoka is the man to put down. He's was 56-1 and one as an amateur. He's 2-0-2 as a professional. He's taking a huge step up to take on Jolina, and I can't see... I can't see Shigeyoka not winning a title at some point this year, not moving on to a world title in the next two years. He is a sensation. He judges distance brilliantly. He's quick, slick, very accurate, very heavy-handed, very aggressive, very exciting. Yeah, he's really the, the, the next star, right, for, for Japanese boxing. I mean, there's already a lot of stars, but... He's the up-and-coming youngster that really is going to stick out like a sore thumb when you think about Japanese boxing. Yeah, he's the next Inoue, the next Tanaka, the next Kenshiro, the next Kayagushi. He's the same sort of trajectory of them guys. So it should be good seeing both of them. I'm excited to watch Mori, to watch Shigeoka. But uh, what are some of the other cards going on this Sunday, Scott? There's one in Kyoto that's... uh... An all-female card. I know that you know there's a certain big female belt coming up, so you know, there seems to be extra attention put on female boxing right now. Uh, the standout belt from that is Naoki Yama fighting Yuko Kuroki in what is a must-win for both women. Both have suffered recent losses. Both can't afford another one, especially Ikiyama, who turns 50 later this year. It's amazing that she's fighting world-class opponents at the age of 49. She is 50. She's going to be 50. That's incredible. She's the Bernard Hopkins of women's boxing. Yeah, she was actually a world champion until last July, having held an atom weight title. That's incredible. On the same card, not incredible. We see the first ever bout fought under a new OBF rule, whereby a fighter can win a different national title to their own nation. So, Tamao Ozawa is fighting Haisu Park with the Japanese female light flyweight title and the KBM boxing Korean female light flyweight title. So, the winner becomes a double national champion. Wait. Uh, this is the first time in history that this has ever happened, right? Yeah, the rule was brought in a few years ago. Uh, it was sort of brought in in the 1980s and then no one ever used it, so it was kind of taken off, and now it's just been brought back in. That was supposed to be one of two belts used in the role this weekend. Akinari Watanabe is meant to fight for the Korean title and the OBF title in Korea, but his opponent has had to have double surgery. I think it's rotator cuff surgery, and they're going to rearrange that belt. It's kind of crazy how this one rule change could end up giving Thais winning Japanese titles, Japanese winning Vietnamese titles. It's 
That's awesome. I like it. That's cool. The idea is it's going to sort of improve the depth of competition that you can fight whilst also defending the titles, but it's kind of a bit of a weird anomaly. We could possibly see history then this weekend. We're definitely going to see it no matter who wins that one. Yes. All right. I always love when history is made, but you're right. A little, little weird, a little different, but I like weird. Um, we're also going to see Dynamic Kenji, a guy who I think is fantastic. Um, he's not someone that a lot of people are going to know about, but he's fighting in Osaka at the L Theater. He has been on an absolute tear. He's won the last five by knockout. He's upset guys like Futa Akizuki and Shota Kawaguchi. He's, he's one of those sort of bubbling under type fighters that you probably won't hear about until he gets his big shot at a national or regional title, but he's very, very talented. A lot of fights going on this Sunday. Probably a good thing that card in Korea was cancelled. Not, not the best fights on that card, huh? It was um, the Korean Jung uh, Kyung Lee versus Akinori Watanabe. Other than that, yeah, there was nothing of note on it. That was going to be the only good one. Well, besides the fights this Sunday, a lot of news and the grapevine, the man who has his ear to the grapevine, that's Scott with Asian Boxing. Uh, Scott, what can you tell us? What are, what are some of the rumors out there swirling around the world of Asian Boxing? One of these rumors goes down to uh, Steve Kim, who brought the news that Ryota Murata and Rob Brunt 2 may take place later this year in Osaka. Um, Brunt, of course, absolutely dominated Murata last year. Took the WBA regular middleweight title off him. A rematch is likely to go the same way, but it'll do good business in Osaka. It'll do good business anywhere in Japan. Murata is still hugely popular over there. Is Murata going to maybe not just walk straight into Rob Brandt's punches this time? He probably will. <laughs> probably will. There's also a strange rumor that Murata could be lined up for a exhibition with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um, what? With... Yeah, Mayweather's going to put on an event in Japan. <laughs> he um, spoke to the press earlier this week and basically said, yeah, I'm planning an event for Japan. I'm going to fight in an exhibition and drop Murata's name. So whether that's more of a panda to the media, I'll mention your biggest big guy, or a genuine I'm looking to making this, is, well, it's Mayweather, so you never can be too sure. I mean, hey, he did fight a kickboxer, so he I'm did, not going to put anything past him. That kickboxer was a kind of smaller guy. Murata isn't a smaller guy. Yeah, and Murata can actually box. He can certainly punch. Whether or not he can box is debatable. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I mean, he's not the worst boxer. He, he won a he won a bronze medal, silver medal, bronze medal, Olympic gold medal. World oh, Olympic gold medal. medal. Right. Yeah, he's an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he seems to have regressed at times. Yeah. No. Uh, against Brandt, it definitely looked like he regressed. Um, another rumor that's doing the rounds is that Kanzu's first uh, title defense, the WBA regular featherweight title, will come against Shung Kubo on May 26th in Shanghai. 
that's expected to be confirmed later this week or early next week with Zoo's team planning a big press conference. Oh, that's going to be a great fight. I love Can. I know he can do it. But uh, Shun Kubo, he's tough. Kubo is, yeah, he's... His bot with Roman, he took an absolute ass-whooping and refused to, you know, refused to just lie down. I don't think he won a round from the eight that was fought or the nine that was fought, but... And he about we just saw him stand in the pocket and trade. Yeah, yeah, and for Kubo, I actually think the weight's going to be better for him. He's moving up from super bantamweight to featherweight. He's got a weird frame, very, very long, wiry frame, so the extra weight will do his durability a world of good. Also, we have Artem Delakian uh, back in the ring. Yeah, Artem Delakian will make his next defense against the managed challenger Denapa Kiatniwa um, on June 15th in Kiev. Kiatniwa is one of those guys who, um, uh, how do we put it, a bit like Osawa. He's been granted a very nice opportunity by the WBA. Oh, WBA. Giving gifts to the people. It's sharing out the wealth around the world. How Kiatniwa is ranked number one is anyone's guess. They just, like, go through a bunch of fighters and pick one, just close their eyes and be like, all right, that guy's going to be number one now. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a ticker by the toe. That's exactly what it's like. So this should be Kiatniwa. an easy one for Delakian. Kiatniwa isn't terrible. Um, he's pretty solid, in fact. But his competition doesn't prepare for a guy like Delakian. He's done nothing to get a WBA manner title fight. He's, I dare say, someone like Junto Nakatani. He's already a lot more proven than the guy who's the WBA saying, yeah, you're ready. Is it too much to ask for Delakian Tanaka? Wouldn't that be fun? You could put any of the four champions at 1-1-2 together and you could end up with a great fight. Yeah, no, Flyweight's strong right now. Incredibly strong, but we need to see them start to unify. Edwards versus Tanaka would be brilliant. Uh, either guy versus Mithalani would be a brilliant chess match. Oh, man, Mithalani, he might be the class of the division right now, especially with his experience. Yeah, it's just whether or not Father Time's going to catch up with him. You could throw in so many fantastic flyweights and what a division it is at the moment. There was a announcement this morning from uh, World Spot Boxing Gym about their next show, which will feature the return of another Japanese fighter. Takeshi Inoue will fight again on August 3rd. Um, his opponent isn't named yet, but here we share the card with Kazuto Takasako's rematch against Shuji Kato. If you saw the first bout, you know what to expect from this one. Yeah, probably one of the better bouts um, that I've seen in a, in a while, just back and forth. Went to a draw, but uh, now hopefully we'll get a winner this time. Yeah, this is one of the fantastic bouts Champion Kano gives us, as opposed to the Yoshino Sumiyoshi fight. Uh, Takasako and Kao, they neutralize each other really well. Takasako's power didn't have the effect on Kato that it does against everybody else. Kato started really well, but his lack of experience over the longer distance was a bit of an issue in the second half of the fight. Both have now perhaps got a handle on what their opponent brings, and it's it's something to really look forward to all the way forward in April. Uh, sorry, in August. 
And I'm 100% in on watching Takeshi Inoue, whoever he goes up against. The guy's tough. He's fun to watch. He's exciting. He's crude, but very, very fun. Yeah, not a, not a boxer at all. He's, he's a brawler. Yeah, he wouldn't look out of place on the cobbles or um, out there on the street, would he? No, not at all. I'd, I'd, watch, I'd watch him out on the street, too, because he, I love his attitude. He seems to have a jovial attitude, and he can take a punch. Because he, he went up against one of the biggest punchers in boxing today. Yeah, he didn't just go up against him. He sort of fought Mungia about in the back. It was forcing a different game plan on a guy who walks three people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was... that. That put respect on the name of Inoue for a lot of people who, who don't follow Asian boxing after seeing what he did against Mungia. Yeah, those who perhaps are only aware of Noya now become aware of Takeshi. They're perhaps becoming aware of Takuma and maybe, maybe uh, Koki as well. All right, fair enough. Takeshi isn't related to the other three, but it's a case that there isn't just one Inoue out there at the moment. Yeah, there's four strong ones. I just I remember when he was fighting Mungia, a lot of people were like, "Well, it's either saying incorrectly, like, oh yeah, he's the brother of the monster or the cousin of the monster." A lot of people were just saying that or asking, "Is he related?" So it was good that he put up a good showing. It's even weirder when you put it out on say Reddit and they're going, "Well, he's jumping up a lot of weight classes." No, 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 no. There's not just one fighter with that surname in Japan. Yeah, oh, he went from light fly to uh, junior middleweight in a couple of years. Seems realistic. It's not just that there, but he's getting a world title fight. 40 pounds heavier than he's ever fought before. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Asianboxing.info. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. If you're a fan out there, don't go anywhere. Make sure to follow Asianboxing.info. Go to our Twitter page at Asianboxing. Not hard to remember. And uh, keep listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week.